I want to go into the message, uh, the power of God's love, and hopefully I can con conclude this, the power of God's love. And tonight I'm going to be looking more into abiding in his love, abiding in his love. Father, I want to thank you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to our hearts tonight and uh, give us ears that can, that can hear and uh, hearts that can understand so that we might be translated, transformed into a new person through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. He who abides in love abides in God. If you abide in love, you abide in love. Love is God unveiled. The reason for that is because God is love. The love of God, love is the most fragile thing. The most fragile thing, yet, is the most beautiful thing on the earth. Love can transform the ugliest thing to the most beautiful thing. I mean, the love of God can transform the ugliest thing, the most hated thing, into the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. The cross was hated in the time of Christ. It wasn't a thing that anybody loved. People hated the cross. It was a symbol of untold suffering. It was a symbol of pain, injustice. It was hated. But love hung on the cross. And from that day on till this very day, Love transformed that cross that was so hated in the time of Jesus Christ into something beautiful. Go around the world. you see people wearing cross. It wasn't lovely in the time of Jesus. It was hated. There are crosses all over the world. Crosses all over Houston. That thing that was hated when love hung on it. Love transformed it into something beautiful. Anything that love touches, it comes to life. Love is a spiritual thing. It does not exist in the realm of reason. Love has nothing to do with reason. Love is spiritual. It has nothing to do with feeling. The feelings come when you step out in love. Many times I think about how people can love their adopted children. What they want is they want a child. And as they bring that child in, even though that child is not, doesn't belong to them biologically, as they begin to pour and express love towards that child, the bond is formed. And the feelings come. And a parent that is not connected to the child with blood, is willing to give anything and everything for this child because of love. Love is a spiritual thing. It's not in the realm of reason. When you step out of love, 
you step out of God. When you step out of love, you step out of light. And you step out of life. Love is the most powerful force on earth, even though so fragile. It's changed the world. And so God wants us to live our lives in love. The love of God is healing balm poured upon the source of human feeling. It's a balm poured on us so that we can become what God created us to be. It is the real thing. Love is so powerful. That's why the scripture says they abide faith, hope, and love. You can't do anything without faith. You can't make any transaction with God without your faith. And hope is vision. The Bible says without vision, may people perish. But those things are nothing when it's not mixed with love. Love is the most powerful force on the earth. Let me talk about the benefit of abiding in Christ. It tells us in John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, if you abide in me, Jesus said, it's a, it's a conditional thing. You may choose not to. If you abide in me, the word abide, the Greek is mimo. That's the Greek word mimo means to reside in, to remain in. That's what that word means. To make that your residence. Jesus is saying, if you make your residence in love, God is love. If you make your residence in love, you may have made your residence in God. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Before this, Jesus was telling them, beginning from verse 4, he was telling them, the same chapter, chapter 15, he was telling them very clearly, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you bear fruit. You'll bear much fruit if you abide in me. Every branch in me that doesn't, that doesn't remain in me, that does not abide in me, is taken out. He said, without me, you can do nothing. And then he says, if you abide in me, two things. If you abide in me and, so we got a second thing. You abide in God and you allow his word to be in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, what you desire, and it will be done for you. You know why this is important? This is the only way God can be glorified in your life. It's according to what you can receive from the Father. And that's dependent on whether you are abiding in Christ you have made your residence, you remain in him, you are abiding in him, and his word is abiding in you. Jesus said, when you bear much fruit, 
the Father is glorified. If you don't abide in him and his word is not abiding in you, then you cannot really bear fruit. And if you can't bear fruit, the Father cannot be glorified in your life. And God wants to be glorified on the earth. So it's important to, be, to abide in Christ and to allow his word to abide in you. How do we abide in Christ? How do you do that? This is really serious. Because Jesus tells us, tells us in the word how to abide in God. How to abide in God. If you read in the same chapter, Jesus says in verse 9, uh, verse nine As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. The same love that the Father had on Jesus, Jesus has for us. The same quality of love. Nothing reduced. It's the same love. Jesus loved us just like the Father loved Jesus. Think about that. The same quality. The same love. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Then he told us, abide in my love. That's very important. Abide in my love. That's a commandment. Stay there. Remain there. Stay in love. Abide in my love. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He told us first, abide in my love. And then he tells you something. Real clear here. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The father loved him just as he loved us, right? How did he abide in his father's love? By keeping his father's commandments. That's how he did it. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. I have kept my father's commandments. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, you also must keep my commandments to abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. In other words, if you don't abide in his love, his joy cannot remain in you. And know what the scripture says. The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. Not your joy. His joy in you is your strength. If you abide in his love, and I'm really going through, this is really important to me tonight. You have to really follow through. This is really important. If you abide in his love, he said, I'm telling you this. In other words, I'm unveiling this truth to you so that you know to have my joy is very important. So abide in my love. And the way you do that is to keep my commandments. 
Because that's the way I remained and settled in my father's love, by keeping his commandments. That's the way to go. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, I'm going to connect it here. Jesus said, ask. Until now, chapter 16, until now, you have asked nothing from me. Ask that you might receive and that your joy may be full. And that's what the scripture tells us. It says, when you ask and you receive, then your joy is full. When you abide in him, and God is meeting all of your needs, then your joy will be full. This is my commandment, he says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Great, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So he's telling you the commandment to keep, to love one another as I have loved you. Abide in my love. Keep my commandments. When a man abides in the love of God, he ceases to be dangerous to other humans. Let me say that again. When a man abides in the true love of God, the day he remains, if he remains in it, he ceases to be dangerous to other humans. He can be. And that's fulfilling of the law of God. And when you cease to be dangerous to other people, you are abiding in God's love and the, you are remaining in the Father's love and the Father will make sure he loves you and he'll meet all of your needs. He will. Christians need to abide in God's love by keeping his word. Matthew Henry writes this. He says, All that love the Savior should continue in their love to him and take all occasion, not some, take all occasion to show it the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. The hypocrite is the one who claims he loves God, but he's not doing what Jesus says. Jesus puts it this way. His mouth, with his mouth, he's close to me, but his heart is far from me. So if that's the issue. With their mouth, they draw near me, but their heart is far from me. Because there is no real love. It says the joy of the hypocrite is for a moment. But the joy of those who abide in Christ's love is a continual feast. That's Matthew Henry. One of the great Bible uh, people that wrote commentaries. So important. And I'm going to go to this scripture. John, John chapter 14. Again talking about his love. Verse 21, Jesus is making it clear. He who has my commandments and keeps them, please think about it. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. There's no doubt about it. And he who loves me 
will be loved by my father. We already heard about that. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will unveil myself to the one who loves me. I will show him myself. If God's not showing up in your life often and frequently at work in your life, check your love for him. Check your love for him. It says, Judas, verse 22, not his carrot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? We want you to manifest yourself to the world. We've seen signs and we've seen miracles. We want you to do this. Let the world see. Show yourself. Reveal yourself to the world. We don't show yourself to us. But Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Then this statement. He who does not love me does not keep my word. It's as simple as that. When you find yourself struggling to keep God's word, examine what's really going on inside of you. Especially when you know, notice what it says. He who has my commandments and does them. First, you already know that this is what God commanded. And you, for some reason, you are able to come out of it and make an excuse and decide, I'm not going to do that. There's no problem with that. The real thing is you really don't love God. You just draw near with your mouth, but your heart is far from him, and he knows that. He knows that. Because when you love him, you keep his word. And that's the way you can abide in his love. And if you abide in his love, then you are abiding in him. This is the way to abide in Christ, to abide in his love. And to abide in his love, you must keep his commandments. And if you are not keeping his commandments, you are not abiding in his love. And you really don't love him. He knows it. He says, the one who doesn't love me does not keep my saying. They don't mean anything to him. So he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you, have, which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. In other words, they have no love for God. And Jesus made it very clear to the Pharisees. You don't love God. If you love God, you love me. Why is it that my words have no place in your heart? Because you don't know him. If you know him, you would have loved me. Because I came and proceeded from him. That's the way he made minister to the people. But he knows all things. And he knows all of our hearts. And that's where this thing is really serious business. I've got to make sure my heart is right before him. This is not a shouting message, but this is the truth. Because he can free you completely when you truly love God. You see, we can't play games with him. When Jesus uses the term, as I have loved you. You know what that means? Die. Because if you love like Jesus loved, there's nothing you can, there's nothing to hold back. There's nothing to hold back. Even for your enemies. Jesus died for the Pharisees. Many of them got saved later, even though they hated him while he was dying for them. That's how powerful love is. 
He, he loved them. He didn't get close to them, but he still loved them. And he prayed for them from the cross. Father, forgive them. And he made an excuse for them. They didn't know. They don't know what they're doing. I'm sure some of them are saying, what is he saying? We know what we're doing. We're killing you. Betty loved them. Because that was given to him by his father. And that way he remains in God's love. And there is nothing more powerful than to love. If you see in the scripture, every time when Jesus looks into the multitude and the Bible says he had compassion on them, once you read that word, read what follows. So many people get healed, you won't believe it. And I have experienced that. When you feel that compassion, you feel like crying, you go out, you're crying, and God's healing them. This is an amazing thing. It's the most powerful force on the earth. Loving God. So to love God is to keep his commandments. And it's all over scripture. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love God. You keep his commandments. We're not talking about the Old Testament commandments. Two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your mind. All your soul. All your minds. That's all. Love God. Love God with everything. Meaning you're willing to die if it comes to letting your life go. And then love your neighbor. The second one is the overflow from the first. Jesus said this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it because the second is an outflow from the first. And so when you love God, you can keep his commandments. You can love your neighbor as yourself. But the first thing is to love God because out of that, that's where the river flows from you into his everlasting life. And so Jesus was, uh, John told us here, for this is the love of God. You want to define the love of God? This is the love of God, not the feeling. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why are they not? Because uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 tells us, hope does not disappoint. For God has poured out his love, the love of God, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So you have the ability to love God. You have the ability to obey him. You choose not to. Different. If you're a believer. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. If a man is loved Owned, love controlled, and love motivated. I'm talking about the love of God. He does not shrink from sacrifice. When you love God, you don't shrink from sacrifice. You are willing to let anything go. And if you are not willing to let things go, it's a clear indication you really don't love him. You draw near with your mouth, but your heart is far from him. And God's going to test you. God's going to test you. 
God tested Abraham to see if Abraham truly loved him. He put his finger on that thing. He says, that son that you have, the son that you love, that son that you love, your, and God made it clear, your only son, I want him on the altar for me. And never said a word to him anymore. That was it. Abraham had that time to think it through. Many of us would say, that was the devil speaking to me. It wasn't God. How can God tell me to give my son away and kill him? Uh, kill my son? That's the devil. But Abraham knew God's voice. And he knew it was God. And God said, give me that son. That's the way you're going to prove to me that you love me. I want him. And Abraham, had, God gave him a lot of time to think. He could have changed his mind anytime, anytime. But his love for God compelled him. And he may come up with something which is of faith. Because when you love God, faith is always there. He thought, told himself, I'll kill him for God. If, if God wants me to kill him, that's the end. He'll raise him back up. That was his excuse for God. And he, he followed through. He says, we're going up there to worship. And we'll come back. And notice how God, God does his things. God didn't stop when he tied the boy. He didn't say, no, it's okay, you can quit now. No. He didn't stop after he laid the boy on the altar. God was still silent. You see, you have to show God something. You have to prove your love for him. And sometimes those little things, sometimes for us it's the little things, and sometimes it's the real thing, the mighty things. God allowed him to lay his son on the altar and raise his hands up. And the hand possibly was coming down when God said, now I know. Now I know. He felt that love only at that time. Amen. And then God swore by himself. Esther loved God and his people. I mean, her people. And she was willing. She knew if I go in there, there's a chance. Because she hadn't seen the king for a long time. He had never sent for her. And they had fasted. And Esther made this statement. If I perish, I perish. Doesn't matter. She gave everything for the love of God because she knew this were God's people, and God placed me in this position, and it's not going to happen in my words that God's people will be destroyed. If I have to die, I'll die. And she went. She went. What's happening to us? How are we truly loving God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we're not going to listen to you, king. You've crossed the line, and we won't pay attention to you. I'm telling you, the God we serve, he's able to save us. But even if he chooses not to save us, we're ready to go into this furnace. We'll die. That's the love of God. God said to the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2, he said, you have left your first love. I have this one thing against you. 
you left your first love. Because love is so important to God. God is a being. He wants to be loved. And God is not somebody you can touch. It's not the feeling kind of love. The only way he feels love is when you demonstrate it. And if you truly love God, you don't shrink from sacrifice. When the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 3 that um, Solomon loved God. And what did he do? He got a thousand bond offerings, sacrifices. You don't think from it. When you love God, the love of God is the love that should rule our heart, that should own our heart, that should rule and reign in our homes and in the church. The love of God and the love for one another. You should be willing to give everything. You know, these days, because God, he's going to prove you. There was this young, rich, young ruler that came to the Lord. You remember him? And he loved God. He said, I've kept all the commandments. And God knew where his heart was. Because where your heart is, that's where your, your treasure will be. And God said, give me that thing. Sell everything. And come and follow me. He wouldn't do it. He was sad. He turned around and went back from God and lost a great name. I'm sure if he had stayed with Jesus, we'll be reading the man's name today. And through eternity, this man will be, he lost everything because there was no true love of God in his heart. Love doesn't shrink from sacrifice. I told myself, it don't know me. I love God. I, I mean, it's been some time. It's been 38 years now. I finally realized, you know, I said, God, let me love. No, I know I love God. I know I love God. And I'm not bragging because the Bible says he poured it in my heart. I recognize it. He's there. I've had chances to walk away. I know I love God. I love God. I love him so much, I will do anything. And in my, my mind today, I'm fully determined. I'm going to serve God all the way, not looking at anybody. I'm going fully for God because I love him. I love him. I'm not going to hold back. You know, you see how Christians are holding back the most precious thing you have in life. Two things you have, your time and your money. Your time and your money, that's the most precious thing you have. And the second one, your money, is a function of the first. Your time. People are not willing to give him that anymore. And they say they love him. They love him. But he knows better. He knows better. I'll give him, give him everything. I start thinking this week. And thinking, even if God tells me today, I'm not going to allow a curse to come off on you. Don't worry about paying your tithe. Keep it and I will still bless you. I'm not I will still pay the tithe. I will still give him my tithe. It's, no, it's never going to happen in my watch that the word, word of God, the things of God are being held back because I'm not giving to God's work. 
That's not going to happen. I love him too much not to do that. It's a function of the love of God. I'm not going to hold back and let my other brothers and sisters be taking care of the house of God while I'm maintaining my own life. No, not in my watch. I love him too much to do that. I can't, even if he calls me, don't worry, you have given enough time all these years. You can relax now. No, I'll still give it to him because of the love of God. You know, sometimes I meet people, they're debating with me. They want to, the pastor, well, is the Old Testament? <laughs> That's your problem. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to, I told a fellow, came, they keep debating. I said, look, brother, I don't like debating. Not the word of God. If that's what you believe, do what you want. I'm not going to debate with you. You know, I was thinking, you know, some time ago. Um, this, is, this is so important. A lot of people are not willing to give time anymore. People are not willing to give to support God's work. You know, and, you know, there was a time, some time back, it, it, it bothered me, you know, how can this person, seemingly on the outward, God is so blessed, and this person will not be willing to support God's work and let people who are making minimum wage to support his work. And he, he, I mean, it's the church, I don't need it. I just, I found out when, uh, finally I found out from Irina, my faith went up because I thought this guy was the guy supporting everything in the church. Then I found out this person wasn't doing it. I said, well, where, where was the money coming from? I felt good. I can believe God now. And then it bothered me, and as I thought about it, and God said to me, let, let, that, let that go. Leave those, he said, leave those to me. Leave those to me. And immediately, right after that, that peace and content in God just was poured into my spirit. It doesn't bother me. Because God has spoken, really not my business. But you have to love God. You don't shrink from sacrifice. I can't struggle with just little stuff that God is demanded that belongs to him. What if it was my son? What would I do? There are people today that are giving their lives all over the world. They are dying after they give their faith to the Lord. And we have so much comfort. But we don't have time. We always come up with excuses. Why we can't do this? Why I got to go here and all of that? I'm tired and all of this. If Jesus were that tired, where would we be? He who loves me keeps my word. He keeps my saying. And if you're not keeping his saying and you know his commandment, it's a clear indication there is possibly not the love of God in your heart. You draw near with your mouth, but your heart is far from him. It's just the, it's just the truth. God cannot lie. Amen? It's not my words. He cannot lie. This is the truth. That's why the Bible says examine yourself. So that you, are, you know that you are in the faith. I have to examine myself. I examine myself. I believe I love God. <laughs> it's life for me. It's very serious for me. This is not a game. And it's not because I'm a pastor. 
It would have been easy when I left Nigeria to the United States. Nobody knew me here. They knew me back there as a Christian. I could have just joined the crowd and go back to my old life. I love him too much for that. I let everything, if it moved, I'll tell him I'm born again, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to hear me speak in tongues? I'll do that right away for you. So they leave me alone. I remember my first year in the United States. I, I was still very shaky inside me, knowing because they told me once you get to the United States, you'll see this beautiful life. And boy, your faith is going to be wiped off from you. And I came in scared, wondering, what is it that killing them in America? What's those good stuff? The good life. So my very first day, this guy came to me, and uh, he said something about Oral Roberts, uh, people giving money to Oral Roberts stuff. And I basically just told him, it doesn't matter. I used that opportunity. I knew he wasn't saved. I used that opportunity to tell him, I give money to those things, and I'm not giving it, I'm giving it to God. And uh, all this crazy stuff that people do and all of that, I used to do that, but God saved me from all of that stuff. I, I used to be this way. I used to drink, and I just gave him my testimony and all of that. And after, uh, just a few minutes later, a few, uh, another guy came in, and he said, good luck, you just got here? Oh, I'm telling you, there's going to be a great party tonight. There's going to be a lot of girls. And the other fellow was going, you don't want to tell him that. Cut it out. Stop it. He doesn't do anything like that. That's the way I survived. Amen? My friends would tell them, please leave him alone. He's sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to heaven. And we don't bother him. <laughs> that was my salvation. He worked. I'm here today. Amen? It really worked. They'll tell me, we told the, this girl or that guy, uh, no, please don't, don't invite him to party. He never goes there. And don't, certainly don't give him a beer. Oh, he's not going to drink that. You know, people ask, you want a can of beer? I said, no, am I suffering? Only so people who are suffering drink beer. And I'm not suffering. I got the joy of God. Amen? So I don't need that to make me happy. I got the joy. Love never fails. Love never fails. When you love God, you can never fail. It may appear like you're failing. Things might be difficult. But God has made it very clear. Love never fails. You can never love and fail. You can never love God and fail. Even if you're going through a very tough time. Again, like I said on Sunday, God's working all of those things for your good. You may not understand it. Like Jesus told Peter, he says, what I'm doing now, you don't understand. But later, you will understand. You can never fail. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 13, verse 8, it says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, we had a prophecy tonight. Amen? That was from the Lord. They will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. 
knowledge on earth will vanish away. But love never fails. It means knowledge will fail. That's what he's saying. Love can never fail. Faith will fail. Jesus said to uh, Peter, Luke 22, verse 32, he says to Peter, I remember that Simon, Simon sits and seeks to sift you as wheat. And he says, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So faith can fail. Faith can fail. But guess what cannot fail? Love never fails. That's why faith works through love. Because faith will fail if love is not part of it. You cannot fail loving God. You cannot fail loving people. And I'm not talking about, you know, the feeling type of love. I know I love people. I may not agree with them all the time, but I don't have any hatred for anybody. I've got to make the right decision somewhere. And if they act bad, that's, that's them. I don't have any love for it. I mean, hatred for anybody. That's just the truth. I may disagree very strongly with you, but it's not hatred. I may correct you as a church member strongly. Hello. But it doesn't mean I don't love you. You may react bad. That's your problem. <laughs> but I love everybody. And then I have to give that. You see, you have to know that you love God. It dawned on me as I was meditating this week. I know I have the love of God in my heart. I'm not perfect. But I know I love God. I know I have his love in my heart. And as much as lies within me, I want to do what is right before him. Don't, I want to do what is right and ask him to help me with his grace. Maintain your love for God. Fight very hard to maintain that. When Satan tempts you because people have acted poorly towards you, guess what they are trying to get at? the most powerful thing in your life, your love for God and for man. So when you start having bitterness, he's got you. He orchestrated all of those circumstances to get you to the place where you let your hand go from God's love and you are no longer abiding in his love. And when that happens, you're vulnerable. Satan can attack you and destroy your life. If there's anything that you know you should be, that you're doing, that separates you from remaining in God's love. You may still be, it may still be a bondage in your life, but keep crying out to God. God, I recognize this is not part of your love in me, but I want freedom. Please help me. And God will help you sometimes in the most unusual way to deliver you from that. But if you like it, he'll leave you alone. If you argue against the truth, he'll leave you alone. And you'll then, what that means is you have stepped out of love and you've stepped into darkness. You've stepped out of God. And that's not a good place to be. Stand up with me tonight. The power of God's love in our heart. I need everyone tonight, demonstrate your love for God. Just like Solomon demonstrated his love for God. Sometimes it takes doing something extraordinary. And you may think nobody noticed. God, most likely nobody will. He sees it.
and he could pay you a visit when you do that. When things bother me, I've shared it with our church before, I decide when it's really tough, I needed God in my life, I go on a fast. And when it's really painful, I go on a serious one. But I tell you, I don't know of a time that I fasted, even if it was a short time, that I don't get revelation from God. And sometimes he speaks to me very clearly. And some things that he has spoken to me, I'm still waiting, them, waiting for them to come to pass. And I know it's God because some of it is already fulfilled. And there's other things there that have not been fulfilled. So I'm waiting patiently for those things to be fulfilled. Then I know I'm not dying yet. Amen? Because those things have not been fulfilled. And I know God spoke them to me. I've got to wait for it. Amen? Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight? Lift your hands up to God tonight. The believers always talk about dying. The cross is now a beautiful thing. You can die today to yourself and make a true commitment to our God and say, God, I am going to love you. I am going to love you with everything that I've got. No holding back. I'm going to go after God with everything that I am. Life is so short. I said it here. I calculate. In my mind, I, need, I have probably just 30 years to live if God, if God decides. Probably 30 years. I want to make good use of those time. For you, those of you that are younger, just throw everything at you. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. Just give everything away. Say, God, I surrender. I'm going to do, even when I'm tired, I'm still serving my God. That's what is important. And when you love God, like Jesus said, I will love you. My Father will love you. And I will love you. And my Father and I will come and make our home with you. They will dwell with you. I will unveil myself to you. The love of God unveiled to us. Father, thank you. Thank you tonight for your grace. Thank you tonight for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. I thank you because the scripture has spoken and the word of God is fulfilled in every heart tonight. I know without a doubt I'm not the only one that loves you. Everyone standing here before you truly loves you they may not fully understand it or really take that to themselves but i know that they love you and that they have the love of god in them just as you've given me to every one of us the love of god is in your heart when i say i love god I know you love God. The love of God is there in your heart. You love God. Let that love out. Don't resist it. Amen? Don't resist it. Let it flow because it will heal the world. It's the bomb that heals every wound. Thank you, Father. Let us 
rest tonight in the peace of God and in the joy of the Holy Spirit. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.
your life.